Hello, everybody. Welcome into Season 1, Episode 8 of the Average Joe's Podcast. I'm Josh, joined by Tim, Jake, and Dale. On today's show, we're going to talk about the California race last week. We're going to preview Phoenix today, and we're going to start talking some baseball and address some NFL news that's been going on. So, gentlemen, welcome back to the show. How are you? Good, good, good. Doing good, buddy. Happy race day. Yeah, good here. Happy race day. Uh, real quick before we get started, I did want to address something that happened on uh, last week's show. Um, one of the reasons why we're called the Average Joes is because we're just ordinary guys. We don't have a professional studio. We're recording literally off our phones with this uh, show that we do here. And so you may have heard some unanticipated guests last week. <laughs> and I was home with two kids. My wife wasn't here. And so we had some uh, ongoings that, you know, life happens. And uh, I want to apologize for that. But like I said, we're not uh, high-end studio production type of guys here yet. So until we get to that point, expect uh, dogs barking and kids whining and that kind of thing to go on during our shows. But just wanted to get that out there so everybody knows what went on there. Right. We, we call them unexpected special guests. Exactly. So uh, we obviously have a lot of material to get into today. So right off the bat, let's discuss Lex, last week's uh, California race. Uh, Xfinity was won by Harrison Burton and Alex Bowman took the checkered flag in the cup race. Um, both obviously had doubters going into this year. What do you guys think uh, as far as big wins with these guys? You think it uh, – changes their future outlooks here in their sport well to start it off i have to just say you know i called the harrison burton pick so just yeah you you did i wasn't one of those doubters last week right and i don't think any of us got the pick right for yesterday right no no none no okay chastain killed me right and with kyle bush being on the pole and not winning i think was probably a surprise for all of us we'll get to that shocked to see that right um, yeah, I mean, as far as the Alex Bowman thing goes, I, I wasn't surprised because he had the fastest car in both practices. Uh, he was out front, maybe not leading, but he was out front a lot of the day last weekend and, uh, you know, good for him. Obviously the, win he had last year, there was some, some doubters still because there were some circumstances where maybe he wasn't the best car, but I don't think anybody could argue that he had the, didn't have the best car last weekend. It was certainly wasn't the case this time. Right. Yeah. He absolutely did. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Josh. And, of course, everybody that's listening right now, they know that probably the biggest doubter of Alex Bowman has been myself. Right. But he definitely deserved to win last week. He had the fastest car all weekend, like you said. You know, just missed out on the pole, won the first stage. And, you know, for him and for Harrison Burton, this certainly certainly boosts their confidence and and shows uh, their ability as far as, you know, because going into the year, a lot of people doubted Harrison Burton, too, saying, oh, he's Jeff Burton's son. You know, he couldn't win in Kyle Busch's truck. Why is he moving up to Xfinity? And I think both of the, I think both those guys, they silenced a lot of critics last week. Right. Yeah, for sure. The, the ironic thing about the Harrison Burton win is only one other time has a guy won a race on leap day, and that would be his uh, Uncle Ward Burton. So that, that was a pretty cool fact after yeah. he got, got that win last week. Yeah, yeah, a little fun. 28 years to the day. Yeah. Well, obviously, it had to be to the day. Because <laughs> <laughs> once every four years. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, there's some question marks going into next season with a lot of drivers, not just uh, Alex Bowman, but with the sponsorship question marks and, you know, possibly some new drivers moving over to Hendrick in 2021. 
Do you guys feel like that win he got at California last week is going to cement his place at Hendrick for next year? I think it definitely can, Josh. The the thing is, like we were talking about, Rick Hendrick, he just got that Chevrolet deal done less than a month before the Daytona 500. And let's face it, how are you going to attract sponsors if you win? And if you win in convincing and dominating fashion? And, you know, Rick Hendrick has made it known that he, he wants Alex to be a part of the company for a long, long time to come. So, I mean, it's, you know, he's not out of the woods just yet, but I think it definitely helps his case to stay in the 88 next year. Oh, absolutely. I, I disagree with that, Jake. I, th- I don't think he had a... Uh... I don't think he was in any sorts of trouble. Like you just said, Hendrick wanted him, wants him to be around for a while, whether it's the 88 or a different car. I, I don't think he was. 48? Yeah, any, yeah, pretty much any, any Hendrick car that is up for grabs, I would say. But I don't think he was going anywhere anytime soon just because just what you said, of all people, you to say it, Hendrick wants yeah. him around for a while. So I, I just don't think his win yes, or last week changes the fact of where he stands. But if it – is the fact that somebody comes in like say a Brad Kozlowski, a veteran, maybe he goes from, you know, number one, number two, number three to a lower uh, priority on the list. If a veteran comes in, which I believe, I think I said last week. Yeah, you, you certainly did Timmy. And, you know, we've talked about it before and it is a possible scenario. Who knows if maybe they might move Alex Bowman to the 48 knowing that ally is good on that car through 2023 and knowing how many sponsors that Brad Keselowski could bring to the 88 car, there's there's so many possibilities. And like you said, really, when you look at the future of Hendrick Motorsports, obviously people say it's Chase Elliott. Right. Yeah, I mean, like you guys are saying, it, as far as like cementing his ride next year, I don't think so. It's more like um, like a glue stick kind of win for me, where it's probably going to help him out, but it's not going to mean he's in that car for sure next year. Um, like you guys right. mentioned, I, exactly. personally, I don't – from everything I've read, I don't think Alex Bowman brings a lot of sponsorship to the table. So in terms of if there is another guy out there, like, you know, maybe Keselowski or somebody else like that, that could bring that sponsorship that Hendrick as crazy as it is needs at this point. um, You know, I don't see him being in that car. We've seen people lose their rides with winning multiple races in a year. So. Yeah. Right. And Dale, you bring up a good point because when Alex Bowman took over the 88, he inherited all of Dale Earnhardt Jr. sponsors. He inherited Nationwide and Exalta. Nationwide decided to leave after last year, and Exalta, they're focusing uh, mainly on William Byron. Yeah, and like you year. mentioned, uh, Ally. Who knows if Ally would even support Byron? I mean, not Byron, uh, Bowman. Yeah, Bowman. Yeah, so real quick, let me paint a scenario for you guys and let me know what you think might happen here. So let's say – California ends up being Bowman's only win of the season and we get to the end. He's part of the final 16. Obviously that makes the playoffs. And then he's among the first guys that's eliminated. Do you feel like that win is kind of meaningless at that point? Or do you still think it plays large in his uh, whereabouts for next year? Well, it's one out of 36. So you're talking like less than 3% of the races that he won. So to me, one win doesn't mean a big deal, especially if you're in the chase and you're talking, it's 16 guys now. So you're basically half the field makes the chase in competitive cars. So right. unless you're getting down to the final eight, it's really not that big of a deal. Right. I, th- I think it's where, like, like uh, Dale said, it's one of 36 races, but if, I mean, where's he finishing the other 35 races? Is he, back like in the back of the pack 
every single race or is he up top five, top 10, the majority of the races? They want to see that car. They want to see those sponsors up in front of the pack. So, I mean, it, it would all die. To me, it would all depend on where he's finishing at, at least. And you're right, Timmy, because let's face it, Alex Bowman last year, the first nine races of the year, he didn't have a single top 10 to his name. He was 21st in points. Pretty much everybody was calling for, for his job right then and there. Right. And he reeled off all those top fives, and he finally broke through at Chicago. But after he broke through at Chicago, I think he only had like one top five the rest yeah, of the year. Yeah, he so, like fizzled back out again. Yeah. It, so that's the thing. You know, unless you make it to the round of eight, like, like Dale said, and that's the thing. Bowman can't get past the round of 12. So. It's like I told you last week, he's, he's got more to lose than any free agent out there. Right. Josh, yeah, what do you think? One the, well, one of the crazy stats that I saw last week that really blew my mind is there's only been 132 drivers that have won more than one race. I mean, I would have never in a million years thought it was only that many, but it, it just goes to show you how tough it is to win in the sport. It talks about, you know, how uh, competitive it really is. And at the end of the day, I, I don't think this win seals anything as far as his fate for next year. But, um, you know, it certainly goes a long way that he's, you know, getting legit wins now. The, as we saw last week, I think we could safely say that the Chevys have caught up with the rest of the field. I mean, they were running strong last week again. So um, right. you got each make win in a race so far. So there's really no telling who's going to be the front Dominant. runner when this thing. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we're at the uh, – the same track today that the championship race is going to be held at November. So I think this might go a long way in giving us a heads up as far as who's going to contend there. But at the end of the day, it's still very early. Right. Yeah, for sure, Josh. That Camaro, the new nose on it has made such a difference. And three races, three winners. And here's the other thing. There's not a single driver yet this year that has two top five finishes this year. Think about that for a second. That's crazy. When you put wow. That's crazy. Three races in. And Larson's out of the mix for uh, sure is. Um, having top tens because of our buddy Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I think we need to discuss that too because yeah. I don't, Dale. You might disagree with me on this, but honestly, uh, not that Denny did it on purpose, but he he basically ended any chance Kyle Larson had of winning that race last oh, yeah. week. And I feel like if you're if you're not going to do anything about it, and I'm not saying you got to start a fight or wreck the guy or whatever, but you, you got to go up to him at some point and say, "Hey, listen, I'm not going to tolerate that kind of stuff." Because if you sit back and you let it happen, then it's just going to keep I, happening. I mean, I wouldn't say right. that he didn't. I'm I'm sure they had conversations about it and everything like that, but you know, it doesn't always have to be in the media like everybody else does it. So I think Larson's more right. of like a mild mannered kind, yeah. kind of person. So yeah, it's probably pissed him off, but he's not going to. I don't see him going out and purposely wrecking Denny, but I'll tell you, he's probably going to run him a little different the rest of the year. Oh, no. I agree. I would hope, I would hope at the very least that's the case because, you know, we all saw the video in the grocery store where Denny hit him with the cart and, you know, Chip wasn't very happy no, no, about no. it, but I was pretty pissed about that. I would hope that, you know, at some point Kyle would have the same fire and, you know, maybe not retaliate as far as wrecking him goes, but I think he's got to step up to the plate and say something if he hasn't already. Yeah, Josh, this almost reminds me of when Denny Hamlin wrecked Chase Elliott and Martinsville three years ago. 
and yeah. how pissed off Chase Elliott was. And then several weeks later, how hard he raced Denny Hamlin at Phoenix and made sure that he didn't get to the final four. Like you said, I, I think Kyle Larson needs, needs to carry that same piss and vinegar with him going forward. Right. And none of us know Chase personally, obviously, but you could tell just by the way he interviews and acts, he's a very laid back guy. So for him to go at Denny like that just speaks to how much he is competitive and how, you know, how much he's going to race well, hard. The for other thing team. you got to consider right. too is Larson and Denny are pretty close. I mean, they, they very, golf weekly, yeah. um, families are close and everything like that. So it's kind of like a little bit of a different situation. Uh, you know, it's, it's like you and I get into a fight about something, uh, it's going to be there's going to be some tension at first which i'm sure there was in the car i didn't hear the audio but i'm sure kyle wasn't too happy about it um but it's going to eventually blow over and you know it's one race who knows if he would have won that race or anything I, probably not based on how he was running but anything could have happened well did anybody hear the uh, interview between denny and kyle on the uh, that uh, one podcast I did not. I did not. Well, uh, with uh, Dave Portnoy. That uh, no, what is it? What was uh, it called? Uh, Rubbin's racing. Rubbin is racing. Yeah. Well, he had both of them on uh, on one of the episodes, and they were talking about that. And you, Kyle did bring up, like you know, yeah, he was a little mad, but he also realized he wanted to go golfing that weekend with Danny and all that. And but he did say. And not so many words that you know he'll get his, he'll get him back eventually. It's just you know when the, it's the right time to do it. Right. Well, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know these race cars are expensive and it's hard to build good ones. So just from that standpoint alone, I think you know Kyle's got to step up here and and do something about it. Like I said, even if it's behind closed doors, we may never know. But at the end of the day, it's it's. Uh, it's a tough situation since they are close friends, but something that I, I would certainly address. I don't care who it is. Yeah, business is business. Right. Um, so speaking of some other guys here, Kyle, Kurt Busch, Chase Elliott, Brad Kozlowski, all got their first uh, top fives of the season. Obviously, those guys are all people we expect to contend for not only wins, but maybe the championship at the end of the season. Do you feel like as far as those guys go, they're headed in the right direction now after that finish last week? I think they definitely are, Josh. Kyle Busch, I got to admire him for how much of a perfectionist he is. He said that we still have work to do. But Kurt Busch, Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, these first few races, they've, they've shown speed. They've shown potential. It's just they've had so many bad breaks go their way, whether it was Brad getting wrecked in the 500 or, you know, Chase cutting a tire down after dominating at Vegas. I feel like like those guys are heading in the, the right direction and going to be a Yeah, I mean, today. out of that list, the only one that really stands out to me um, as heading in the right direction and actually already there is Chase. Uh, I know it's probably surprising for you guys to hear me say that, but <laughs> um, he's shown the consistency week over week. The others still have something to prove in my eyes. Yeah. It's yeah, still exactly. early. No, I, it, you know, it's one race. I'm not going to crown him and say, hey, you know, you're you're on the way to be a potential championship contender after that one race. Right. Right. Yeah. And let's not forget Chase Elliott. You know, he's got a very, very fast car today and Brad Keselowski does this too, along with uh, Kyle. Right. Right. Now, Jimmy Johnson finished seventh in his final California race. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool how he had his wife and his daughters on the, 
the uh, stand there to wave the green flag at the start of the race. And, you know, they let them go in, ahead of the pack there when they did the, the five wide tribute. salute. Yeah. But uh, so he finished seventh. Do we feel like there's any tracks he might be able to get a win this season and being that it's his final year in cup? I certainly do, Josh. We we're going to one of them in a couple of weeks and that's the uh, Texas motor speedway. It was one of the few places last year that he showed a lot of speed and, him and Cliff Daniels, they had a shot to win the November race before Jimmy wrecked. So I think that he could definitely add one or two. I don't know about two, but maybe one win to his name before it's all said and done. Right. Yeah. As, you, as as we know, you can never count him out at Dover. I mean, he owns that place pretty That's much. That's what I was going to say. The other one that comes to mind for me is Martins. Yeah. You know, I can see him being, being a, getting right. a win there. Martinsville is almost like a restrictor plate race in a way where you got cars that are beating and banging on each other. But of course, with a banged up race car, you can finish that race uh, and Hell, possibly win it. You can win it. You can win it as a right. car that should be a, on a wrecker anymore. Yeah. 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 By war of attrition being the only <laughs> car left. Um, we had Ryan Blaney lead 54 laps, had a tire go down, finished 19th. Um, He's had a pretty good season so far. I believe he's still the points leader. He is. Uh, do you feel like he should be encouraged or discouraged by the way that race turned out last week in California? I could definitely understand being discouraged because he was the only car that can only run with Alex Bowman but also pass him. But they've shown the speed all year, and he's leading the points, him and Todd Gordon. They're going to do a lot of great things together because he just signed a contract extension on Friday. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he could be discouraged with that. It's how his race ended was completely out of his control. You know, blowing a tire with what, like, three laps ago, I think it was. That, yeah, that, that's nothing that, that he matter. controls. So, I mean, he's shown speed week after week so far this year. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in victory lane today. And like, well, like I said before, I mean, we're only a few races into this season, and. You know, he's already leading in points with how many top fives? How many top tens? Daytona. I mean, it's there's no reason to put your head down when you're this early into the season and then you're already ahead in points in front of everybody, especially somebody like Kyle Bush. Right. And your teammate, Joey Logano, for that right, matter. Right, right. Yeah, speaking of the contract extension, Jake, you mentioned an article that NASCAR had on this morning about Brad Kozlowski pursuing some other teams for next year as he hasn't mm-hmm. talked about an extension with Penske yet. We talked about it last yeah. week about how he's kind of the third wheel now at, at that team. But, uh, yeah, so Blaney gets the extension, and Kozlowski's still looking for a ride for next year as we speak. Yeah, based on that article, Josh, him and Roger Penske, it doesn't sound like they're even close to getting a deal done. and. You know, he made the comment in there. Obviously, a lot went on this offseason with him and Paige, the birth of their second daughter, and the crew chief change a, a month before the Daytona 500. And he said that, you know, if, if another team come comes knocking, he's going to listen. You know what's funny? Right. It, it sounds Great just car. like Tom Brady, if you think about it a little bit. You know, one of the best quarterbacks out there, one of the best drivers in the series. Both of them have not getting along very well with their head coaches, per se. And seeking out opportunities from other teams. So you can see both mm-hmm. sports having some kind yeah. of big shakeup like that next year. But what right. I was going to say too, Office. is with Keselowski, I think, you know, wherever he ends up is going to be one of the big dominoes this year. That's going to start the whole free agency for everybody. 
I agree, Bill. And Josh, you and I had a conversation about it this past Tuesday. You said that if you feel like Brad Keselowski goes to Hendrick Motorsports, whether it's the 48 or the 88, that, you know, they could possibly be the team team to beat next year. Yeah, they'll be pretty loaded if they do get Keselowski. I mean, even if Bowman's still there, you got Chase, you got Byron, two young and -and up-and-comers. But, uh, yeah, I think that's definitely going to be the case. You know, the one thing, though, talking about next year, though, Uh, just just because the drivers are going to be there, the top-tier drivers, doesn't mean – they're going to perform because next year we got a completely different car coming. Right. Yeah. The next year. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about that here in a minute, but real quick, there was another big announcement that uh, Tony Stewart is going to run the July 4th Xfinity race on the Indy road course. Um, You guys have any other retired drivers out there that you'd like to see come back and run another Xfinity or truck race? Jake, I know you're going to see, uh, you saw Junior run Darlington last year. He's going to run here and again a couple weeks in Miami. But any other drivers yeah. you guys would like to see run? Yeah, that was a great experience going to Darlington, something I'll never forget. And he'll be at Miami on the 21st, like you said. But, hey, let's face it, how, how, much would, how awesome would it be to see Jeff Gordon run an Xfinity car or a truck at Martinsville? Oh, hell yeah. I'd like to see Jeff Gordon run a truck for the bounty. <laughs> he wouldn't be eligible. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But I'd like to see that. They might make an exception if he agrees to that. All right. Yeah. That would be a pay-per-view type of event. You know, there. I, I heard something on the radio oh, yeah. the other day that I thought would be a cool idea. So with this bounty thing, um, I know it's probably not feasible for the teams because uh, obviously I think it was Kyle Busch was saying it costs almost 140 grand to rent a truck for a race. So it's pretty much you're losing 40 grand right, right. off the bat. But um, what if you made it like kind of like an all-star race kind of thing where these teams are putting cup yeah. guys in these trucks and do it like a Saturday night shootout or something and, you know, do something like that. You're going to get people there. People are going to already be at the tracks for the Xfinity races usually on those nights. So run like an exhibition truck race right. after with all the cup guys. Obviously, the cup teams would have to sign up on sign off on it, but something like that would oh, would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, that really would be awesome, Dale and Josh. I have another awesome idea that I've been thinking about for a couple of years. Picture if Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jeff Gordon, and Tony Stewart if they all ran a truck race together at Martinsville. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. There wouldn't be any trucks yeah. left. Well, yeah, juniors <laughs> would be because you'd be three <laughs> no, left there behind. Wouldn't. Uh, you just had to start already, uh-oh. didn't you? <laughs> hey, he's got a truck winner too. Behind, so, you know. Oh god! At Martinsville. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun conversation to have for sure. So, let's talk about this next gen car that they all alluded to. Major changes coming out for next year that we heard about. Uh, the first thing is the wheels are going to have just one lug nut. They're going to run an aluminum wheel instead of a, a steel wheel next year. Uh, there's some other changes as far as the shifting. It looks like you're going to have a um, synchronized transmission. A couple other things that are still being worked out. Byron, of course, had the test at California. What do you guys think about the new car they're going to roll out for next season? Well, I'm definitely holding my judgment on it because, you know, it's definitely going to be a big change just seeing the one lug nut wheels. And, you know, to me, I know how you feel, Dale, but to me, the engine still sounded a little flat. But, uh, you know, 
for for the most part, I'm I'm pretty excited to see how. The yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I love all the changes that are coming. It makes it in in a way a little bit tougher because right now, um, you make one change to one side of the car, and the suspension's basically, you know, changing the whole whole back end. But next year, we're going to independent suspension, so that's going to be you have four corners you can mess with now. Um, sequential shifting, it's going to open up a lot of new opportunities for like Pocono going up to a six speed. Well, we've already seen with Pocono um, with the new package, not so much, but the older one where they were shifting uh, going to the six speed is going to open up more opportunities for that. And even maybe even on some other tracks, like the short tracks, you might see um, some more shifting Phoenix comes to mind for me. Uh, Maybe even Mm -hmm. somewhere like Martinsville where, although it's a really short, uh, straightaway, right. but you know, you might be able to get out into second gear, or third gear, or fourth gear, whatever. Uh, you want to have that torque coming off the yeah, and off the I mean, the there. one lug nut thing, it, it's not as big of a change as everyone's making it out to be. Yeah, you're going from hitting five lugs to only one, which obviously you're gonna have a lot less chance of missing it because if you miss it, the tire's falling off the car, <laughs> but. Um, right. I don't yeah. think you're going to see pit stop speed up or anything like that right now because uh, they're still not implementing any kind of self-jacking system. So the jackman's going to have to go to both sides of the car unless they change that and do implement something. But you're still going to have the tire changers going from, you know, the left side to the right side, or I'm sorry, the right side to the left side. So you got that right. time there, yeah. and you have the fuel time, which. I know people have, yeah, people have alluded to Formula up. One, but Formula One doesn't refuel the cars. They have onboard fuel enough to make the whole race. Whereas NASCAR, I believe it takes a minimum of, I want to say, 12 seconds for both tanks, full both tanks. So, yeah, you're not really going to see a huge difference there. Where you might see some difference is it gives the team a little more opportunity to make adjustments. Um, you know, clean off the grill, maybe do the windshield a little bit more mm-hmm. and those kind of things. But you're still going to see the winning and losing yeah. on pit road. You see it today in all the other sports. All right. Yeah, initially, yeah, you sure? initially when they announced all these changes, one of my concerns was, is this another way to phase out some crew members and save money among the teams? But like you said, Dale, you're still going to need the same amount of crews. There's no self-jacking. You're still going to have your jack man. You're still going to have your two tire changers and your fuel guy. Um, the, the one thing I kept hearing over and over again this week is that with this new car, they're trying to make it more suitable or comparable to the cars that you see on, at the showroom at the dealerships, which, you know, as we know, we all drive cars. None of our cars have single lug nuts, so I'm not sure that collaborates. But for the most part, I mean, it does kind of look like a car that you would see driving out on the road, for at least the early images that we've seen of it. So, I could see that to an extent, but uh, w- with the single lug nut thing, we'll have to see how it turns out. I know Byron ended up wrecking his car at California. I haven't really heard as far as what the damage was or any of that, but uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, Josh. We'll see. They they said that uh, he spun out going into turn three, and it had just a little bit of damage, but they'll be able to fix it in time before the, the next test at Atlanta with Stuart Haas and – um, Eric Jones and Joey Logano, they already said how much, how tough the, the yeah, Josh, just to touch on the one lug nut thing that you brought up where our cars don't have one lugs. 
neither do Ferraris, Porsches, um, all those cars that you see running in IMSA. They're literally stock reproductions, basically, but they still have the one lug when they race. Right. Yeah, and I think the numbers that we heard coming out is it would take, what, about half a second to take that off with the one lug? Yeah. Right. Eight-tenths of a yeah. second was what Bob Parker said. Yeah. So might see quicker pit stops, but they, like you said, there's no unlimited fuel on these cars, so they're still going to have to wait until the fuel tank is full to take off anyway. So, Did they say anything about ever coming up with the self-jack? Yeah, I think it was discussed last year. I thought I heard it. Yeah. I'm just but curious. I don't think we want to see them go that route. No, no, not at all. You have guys losing jobs again and that kind of stuff, so it's never good for the sport when you see guys getting laid off. Right. Yeah. Brian Keselowski tweeted a couple months ago that the the layoffs that are coming after 2020, it's almost going to mirror 2008. Mm, that's that's not good. Um, one of, one of the final changes that we heard about this week is to the Bush Class Clash for next year. They're going to run it on Tuesday night, February 9th, and they're going to do it on the infield road course. They're also going to hold qualifying on Wednesday and. The goal is to condense speed weeks into uh, one full week instead of, you know, a couple events here and then a few days off, and then we get back into it. So what do you guys think about the schedule changes for Daytona for next year? I'm really excited about this, and everyone knows I used to love restrictor plate racing and hate road courses. I'm pretty much the other way now. And I think the car owners, I think they were just so embarrassed and so pissed off with how much was torn up in the clash this year. So I like the idea of that and 500 qualifying on Wednesday because, you know, Dale, you said it yourself. It's the weekend of the Super Bowl, and then you're going to have nothing. You're going to have nothing to do Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday at the racetrack. That's the way it's been the last few years. So I'm excited about this change. Yeah, same here. I I think uh, you're you're obviously probably going to see less cars Mm -hmm. torn up. Obviously, the clash last year was – uh, well, this past couple of weeks, it was embarrassing. It, it was, yeah. We had a lot of cars torn up, and you know it's an exhibition race, so guys are gonna, you know, drive a little differently. But it adds a nice little wrinkle to it, and plus, it's gonna give us something to do in the middle of the week where there's not much going on to begin with. So, right. think about this. I, I was thinking about this with you know moving this to the Tuesday and moving it to the road course. How cool would it be if NASCAR expanded the clash and made it like a three series kind of thing, like they do for the 24 hours of Daytona? Imagine having like the trucks out there, Xfinity and uh, cup guys all going for the overall win, obviously, but then having it broken out into their own little segments. And so you kind of have like a race within a race and then the overall win. I think that'd be awesome. Like racing. Are you saying like, having trucks and Xfinity and racing on the same track together. Um, Three series going. That would be, that would be insane. Yeah. That'd be cool. I'd love it. Well, obviously there would have to be some sort of qualifying because you can't have all the trucks, all the Xfinity and all the cups on the same track. They wouldn't even be able to drive. There would be, I think there'd be too many vehicles. Well, it's a 24-hour race. They have yeah. all those different yeah, classes. Yeah, 24-hour oh, race. You have three classes. Uh, yeah. Well, at least three classes. So think about it, though. Right now with the Clash, it's I think this year was 18 cars. So you take that out to the three series, yeah. and you have 54 cars out there between the three if it ends up being 18, <laughs> but I doubt it would. Uh, 
I just think that would be really cool. I mean, even this weekend, if you look, the Xfinity cars are about 10 miles an hour faster than the Cup cars. So it would be pretty interesting to see, you know, maybe an Xfinity guy take it. Who knows? The trucks are even faster on some some of the right. places. Now, do you think, Kyle, I mean, I don't know the, the rules, but I'm assuming one of you guys do. Do you think Kyle Busch goes Cup or would go with the truck on that? Or it would have to be the, the series tough. that you're yeah. getting points in. And like the same thing with the clash where you qualify okay. yeah, based right. on like winning a pole or winning a race or something like that. So. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's, that's a great idea, Dale, because I don't know if you remember, but the Bush clash back in the mid nineties, they would actually have a, a spot reserved for whoever won the most poles in the Bush yeah. series the year before they did that for a few years. This is made for an interesting off-season for sure because I don't know if we've ever seen between the schedule changes and, you know, we haven't even gotten the new schedule release yet, but between the car changes and the schedule changes for next year, it's already shaping up to be one of the most exciting seasons that I can remember in recent memory because we don't really know what to expect. I agree, Josh. And guess when the schedule is being released? April 1st. April 1st. <laughs> Let's just hope it doesn't end Or is it? Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing, too, I know Brad Keselowski talked about it the day they announced the doubleheader is how they're trying to condense the schedule and eventually how they want to have the season end maybe in October or even September so you don't get killed by the NFL while you're having your playoffs yeah, going think, on. Right. Did you guys uh, see? I think that would be perfect. Go ahead, Dale. And, I mean, as crazy as it was with Monday night uh, with the Daytona 500, the ratings were phenomenal. I mean, maybe move – some more races like prime time and uh yeah it makes like a it makes a little Absolutely. bit of a scheduling problem for people that are going to the races but so does monday night football and people still attend that so yeah. right exactly. yeah maybe like a wednesday night race in, in iowa like in the middle yeah, and you of gotta like set it up so that you know you're not over. going cross country in three days so as long as you know the tracks are relatively close yeah. and most of the time, the teams are going to go back to the shop anyway, I know, but they could send another hauler out with another car to meet in the middle of, you know, the country, wherever, pick up the new car, go to the track. I mean, I've seen videos of Kyle Larson's team uh, working, well, actually him and Kurt Busch's teams working on the cars in um, a stadium parking lot in uh, in Arizona this week. Mm-hmm. that's awesome it's like an old school feel to it yeah i was just gonna say something you know during football season to get away from competing against the nfl because as we know that's pretty much a no-win situation there so i would be all for a midweek day and i don't think race. saturday is the answer either because you're going to be competing against even more college games right yeah yeah you gotta do a weekday race i would assume um the, yeah. the one other thing I was going to mention, did you guys see where uh, Brian France is suing that guy that created the fake Twitter account saying that it ruined his reputation? <laughs> yeah, drunk Brian France. Right. That's what, what was it? Brian France is suing a guy. There's a parody account on Twitter. It's called Drunk Brian France. Yeah, I follow Brian it. Brian France is suing the guy. Yeah, I follow it too. Yeah, he's, he's suing him? Character yeah, he's saying it ruined his reputation. What that he was sober or that was he that he was actually drunk? Brian, Brian France, Brian France ruined 
the reputation that he had himself. He has no one to blame but himself. Right. He might sue you next, Jake. He might win the lawsuit, but I don't see any way he's getting back into no, the I sport just think if that's a cash grab at this point. Never. I don't think he wants to get back. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. All right. So let's uh, transition over to today's race at Phoenix. Woo! We have uh, Chase Elliott on the pole for the Fan Shield 500. And we had uh, Brandon Jones winning the Xfinity race yesterday. Any thoughts on those two events happening? Yeah, Chase Elliott has always been very, very good at Phoenix. He's, he came close that one year in 2017. And him and Alan Gustafson, like you said, Dale, they've had a very, very phenomenal start to the year, almost winning Vegas, how fast they were at California and here. So watch out for him. Brandon Jones, who saw that coming yesterday? That's a big, big Yeah, win to me, Brandon Jones too. is the biggest surprise there. I mean, yeah, for sure. Honestly, I wrote him off last year, and so far this year, he's having a great year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think of it. When he won at Kansas last year, it was okay. Well, there was no cup drivers in the race. And then this year, you know, you, you know, you get a top five of Daytona and he dominated California before he got taken out. So it's definitely a prove it year. And he's, he's exceeded my expectations. And we all pretty much assumed that it was going to be either Kyle Busch or Brad winning the race. I didn't think that. I mean, here we go. I don't know. I think Xfinity, these guys, they've kind of picked up their game in the last couple of years. It's not like a cup guy shows up and they automatically win. Uh, Well, not only that, Dale, but the limitations on cup drivers anymore because you're only allowed to do a maximum of five Xfinity races per year right now. I was just going to say, how do you guys even feel about letting the cup guys compete in lower series? You know, I know that, you know, people don't feel, you know, positively about it, but I know Dale Earnhardt Jr. said when he was coming up through the Bush series, he said what, what made him a better driver was getting a race against Mark Martin, Jeff Burton, Jimmy Spencer, the Labonte brothers. It makes you oh, a, so better Bobby driver Jr., a better driver for when you go to cup. <laughs> <laughs> That made your day, didn't it, Dale? <laughs> I don't personally like it. I, I I've said it before too. Like, unless it, I I feel like it's like in other sports. Like you know, if you're hurt and you need some time downtime to you know gain your strength back or whatever, then I I feel okay. Yeah, then drop down to the minor leagues, if you will. But I don't like. I mean, like Jake just said, they want to it makes them a better driver from coming up from Xfinity. What does that do for the driver coming down to Xfinity to race these guys that are obviously well, not as great due to but, you know, running the same tire compound or something like that, that's going on in the cup series. So it'll give them a little bit of a more testing right. and obviously testing anymore is something that's non-existent and, even practice times basically uh, cut down way in the amount of time that you were able to have on the track. But personally, I like the cup guys going down, running a few races in the trucks and Xfinity. Cause like Jake alluded to it, it lets you see how these guys actually stack up against them. Um, obviously it is a different car than going to the cup series, but the only way that you're going to make yourself better is, running against the best competition there is. And, you know, we've seen these guys that are from either the trucks or Xfinity go to cup and basically do next to nothing. 
So it helps the teams as well to scout right. these guys and see how they are against the best there is. And let's not forget too, Dale, how, how sponsor driven this is anymore, because let's face it, if you're Hellman's, you'd rather, you'd rather have Dale Earnhardt Jr. drive your car instead of say Justin Allgaier. If you're, you know, Mars, you'd rather have Kyle Busch behind the wheel instead of, you know, Brandon Jones. You'd rather have Brad Keselowski for discount tire instead of Austin Sendrick. It's the sponsors more than anything that want these, these cup guys to do these. Yeah. The big name guys. Right. And I was going to say, I kind of agree with Tim on this one where I don't really care for these guys coming down only because nine times out of 10, if Kyle Busch is well, in the field, it's all right, guys, who's going to finish second? Well, he's only got a Obviously, that wasn't the case yesterday, but so he says, because he said once he hits a hundred, he's done in Xfinity. So he's at 96. Right. But then at yeah, the well, same time, like Jake just said, if the cup guys aren't coming down, how many people are going to actually pay attention to these races? Many people might just tune it out and say, well, I don't care about that. Right. I mean, a lot of people don't really watch. I mean, I, I don't know the facts or anything, but in just how I feel, a lot of people don't watch the truck race. But when Kyle or Kevin Harvick put that bounty, I guarantee the the amount of attendance will skyrocket just to watch these cup guys race yeah, in these trucks though. to try and beat Kyle Busch. Especially... Just look yeah. how empty the stands are. Lower series, you just look at the stands, how empty they are. It's right. pretty obvious that they're there for the cup race, and that's about it. I mean, it happens at uh, Pocono, too, doesn't it, Jake? You've been up there for those races. Yeah, I've been to every Xfinity race and all but one truck race at Pocono, and, and let's face it, normally the biggest crowds I would see there on a Saturday would be if Kyle Busch or Brad Keselowski or, or Kevin Harvick was racing. Right. right. So NASCAR is in kind of a tough situation because it's like, well, we kind of don't want these guys coming down and dominating the whole race, but we also need to sell tickets. So I think that's why right. they went with the limit of tough five in each series. And I mean, if you think about it, though, it's it's probably right. only five or six cup guys that do this every year. So you're talking 30 other guys out there that aren't doing this. So it's not like everybody's doing it. Um, right. Right. Well, as far as today's race go, we had we had Kyle Busch won last year's race at Phoenix in March. Uh, he's won two of the last three on the new configuration. Do you guys think there's any chance he gets into victory lane today and gets his first win of the season? I think there's a very, very strong chance. Him and Adam Stevens, ever since they reconfigured it, they've had this place figured out. And, and two out of three, let's face it, he probably could have won – that race in November, if, if, if it wasn't a must-win situation for Denny Hamlin. So I think he's possibly the guy to beat today. Which configuration do you guys like better? Because I kind of like the old one better than this new setup. Yeah, I like the old one better. I mean, here you have to start. I like the new one. I mean, it's something different. It's not like every other track out there. Yeah. I, my only thing is you got the start-finish line like right in the middle of a turn, so the guys aren't even really up to speed when they're crossing the line. I think it's better racing the way it but was with the previously. Way that, but with the way me. that the turns are set up and everything at Phoenix, I'm with Josh. Like, you know, there's about six different lines that you could take into that turn and just dive bomb and you know run the apron all the way around and try to get the win that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what Harvick did yesterday during qualifying. Tim, any thoughts on the configuration? Which one you prefer? If Kyle Busch has a shot to win today, well, I, I'll say I, I, Kyle Busch always has a shot to win. 
no matter oh, no I think, where, where it's at, but um, right. the configuration, um, I think I would, I'd rather see, you know, I'd rather see wide open crossing the finish line than like you said, Josh, than you know, gearing down and making, making the turn. I like right. to see them wide open and, and, and uh, racing for that finish line. Yeah. Um, another guy that obviously has a strong shot today, Kevin Harvick's got nine Phoenix wins. Uh, they're off to a somewhat slow start with Rodney Childers. Uh, are you guys surprised about their start to the season so far? Do you think maybe he gets off the schneid today? Very surprised. He def- Yeah, he definitely can, Josh, but people forget. It's, it almost kind of mirrors the start that he got off to last year as well. Right. The, the, the numbers are almost Yeah, I identical. definitely think you can never count Kevin Harvick out of Phoenix. Yeah. Never. Right. Um, so we talked a little bit about this earlier with the retaliation thing as far as Larson and Hamlin goes. Do you guys think there's any chance we see any retaliation today or you think that's water under the bridge at this point? Well, like Dale said, they've got a strong friendship and it could be water under the bridge, but still, though, I would not be surprised if Kyle Yeah, definitely different racing, retaliation. Right. Uh, I don't see that happening so much. Yeah, no, right. I, don't think it, I don't think it happens today um, unless it's Denny, Kyle for the win, nose-to-nose in a must-win situation. I don't think anything is going to happen today with them two. The smartest way to handle this is probably off the racetrack well, turn up, it turn up two race cars. Right. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. You screwed me last week with that uh, incident, so – um, obviously the Phoenix did it, it did really it, did. Well, I mean, it's going to work to my yeah. favor today. Yeah. It's right. going to work in my favor today, but I still rather have some more points. Right. Uh, so obviously Phoenix is going to be the championship race in November. It's exciting that we finally have a track other than Homestead. That's going to host the finale. I think we've seen some good racing over the years at Phoenix, but do you guys subscribe to the theory that maybe we should alternate the track the championships held that year to year oh every year would be nice now, to see a different track so yeah, i'm on the fence about it yeah, me too. Um, you know I, I would love the idea of moving it from year to year but i think it should be a handful of tracks because personally i don't want to see a season finale at like auto club or vegas because they're not really that interesting like if you want to move it to like a short track um heck, right. even a road course at this like the Roval or something, something different like that. That'd be cool. Yeah, Dale. Riverside yep. was the the season finale for a long, long time back in the eighties. How about we figure out a way to end the season in August and Pocono's Joel, the season? We'd finale. have a better chance yeah. of it not raining yeah. if it was in November <laughs> at Pocono. Yeah, true. <laughs> yep. And the cars would have no, a ton no of grip because it would be twenty degrees out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right? No, absolutely not. Yeah, have the finale Thanksgiving weekend and get the snowplow. Yeah, <laughs> the pace car yeah. is is a snowplow. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 totally on board with uh, switching it up from year to year. But like Dale said, you got to consider what tracks it's going to be at because I don't think we want to see it at Auto Club or you know some kind of fluky track like Daytona where anything can happen or even a road course for that matter. But you know Atlanta, Martinsville, those tracks would be phenomenal for a finale. I right, I, and Atlanta, 
and Atlanta was the finale for the longest time. Right, right, and I agree with that. I think maybe from a, a spectator standpoint that wants to go see, uh, you know, the championship once in their lifetime, they can say, oh, okay, so 2024 they're going to be at Dover. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, somebody from around our area or something or, or close to Dover, they can make it instead of having to always go to Miami, you know, or, or always go to Phoenix or that's one well, I reason why I, I, I like to with, see them Miami, move around. I think part of the reason this Honestly, happened is because yeah. the racing hasn't been that great. Right. Okay. The, uh, yeah. I was going to say, why not have, if you're going to have it at the same track every year, have it at what, in, what, in my opinion, is the hardest track to drive on, and that would be Darlington. Yeah. Yes, I was just going to say that, Josh, and then I could go to the finale every year. Right. <laughs> I think if you're going to have it at the same track, uh, that would be the best one to have it at. was at Atlanta, right. and Terry Labonte won the championship, awesome. and Bobby won the race. Just wanted to uh, yeah, that was definitely one of the greatest moments in NASCAR history for sure, Dale. And I would have to say probably my favorite Atlanta moment, it would have to be 93 when Dale Earnhardt and Rusty Wallace, when they yeah, took the cool. Alan Kowicki and Davey Allison flags for victory laps after they were tragically killed earlier in the year. I was talking about favorite moments. I was going to bring this up earlier, but I think my favorite Phoenix moment is uh, April of 07 when Gordon tied Earnhardt for wins at 83 and drove around on the victory lap at the three flag. Me too, Josh. As someone that grew up as an Earnhardt fan, obviously I hated Jeff Gordon. I'm not gonna Wait, lie. Jake, to you're that. you're an Earnhardt fan? I, oh, yeah, I didn't know. Anyway, breaking um, news, folks. So anyway, <laughs> but what happened? But what happened earlier in the week was the shooting at Virginia Tech. Oh yeah. And a lot of the and a lot of Jeff's crew members they had Virginia Tech hats on, and I thought for sure that he was gonna take take a you know a Virginia Tech flag for a victory lap. And when I saw it was the the black three. I'm not gonna lie, man. I was I was just about ready to cry. Well, you did just like because you right did cry. That I gained and so much respect did. for Jeff Gordon. You <laughs> <laughs> <I> do. <laughs> well, I mean, it just speaks to uh, you know. Obviously, we know when they were racing against each other how competitive they were with the voodoo doll and all that. But you know, they could be uh, friendly off the track as well. And pay yeah, respect and I mean, to with Gordon and, and like Gordon Hart, I don't think day, it so. was a lack of respect exactly. thing. Um, hell, even the two of them had a great off track, uh, you know, relationship. They basically, I think Gordon said it was almost like a father son kind of thing where they would take jabs at each other and just have fun. I mean, one of the most moving do- things that I saw was that segment where Gordon went to the Earnhardt statue. Uh, huh. yeah. Yeah. That, 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 yeah, that, that unrivaled yeah. documentary really made me realize how awesome that rivalry was to me. Probably the best rivalry ever in the sport. Yeah, without a doubt. Seeing him go to the statue in Kannapolis, that definitely made me tear up. And, and I'll never forget, it was the day that Dale Jr. had the press conference that he was joining Hendrick. And he said, really, it was more of the fans yep. than anything that created the rivalry between his dad and Jeff Gordon. And n- another great Phoenix moment, and I know you're going to love this one, Dale. 1988, the very first yes. race there, when Alan Kowicki, the very first Polish victory lap. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh and that's that's fitting too because we got the announcement with the uh, paint scheme for Chase Elliott at Atlanta with the Hooters truck too. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> Tim, I believe you said you pre-ordered the diecast, didn't you? No, what I was yes, meant I by that, you know, I, I nice. think the black Hooters scheme look, uh, look 
looks a lot better than the white one, personally. <laughs> <laughs> before, oh, definitely. Yeah. Before we start all that on this, Jesus. Uh, uh, so today's race is going to run the 750 horsepower package, low downforce with the very drastically reduced spoiler. Do you guys feel like this is going to provide some good racing today, and do you feel like NASCAR should permanently go to this package? I wish they would permanently go to this package because, let's face it, the, the 550 package is terrible at most racetracks. Right. And, and a lot of the drivers this weekend said that they feel like they're driving a real race car again. And I'm so glad that they did this because, let's face it, a lot of the short track races and the road courses last year were awful. I remember – Dale Jr. said in his podcast, the 550 package, it made for good racing at mile and a half, but it was the short tracks and the road courses that suffered. And let's face it, that's some of the best racing that we have in the sport. Right. You know, this brought something to my mind that I wanted to get off my chest from last week, and that was with uh, Martin Truex Jr. whining about how hard it was to pass his teammates. Uh, obviously, it was a good sign that we saw Ryan Newman at the racetrack this week. He was helping oh, yeah. out the sixth team a little bit, but I just can't stand these guys that, you know, complain about how hard the car is to drive or how hard this guy is to pass or that guy. Like, unless you're laps down, there's no reason why you should just pull over and let a guy pass you. I don't care whose team you're on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing with Truex was he was such a cool and humble guy early on in his career. His first eight years, he only won two races. And I don't know, to me, ever since he started winning on a consistent basis, it, it changed him as a person. That's just my opinion. Though. It's like as soon as he, he winds every weekend. Right. Once he got that Gibbs affiliation, it all went downhill after that, I feel. Cole Pern made him look going good. To the right. Again. Well, we're going to see this year. Yep. Yep. Cheating again. Engine change. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about with Phoenix before we make our picks for the contest? Uh, oh, um, no, not Phoenix. I wanted to, Did you guys see that? Uh, well, obviously, you guys watched the uh, Xfinity last night, right? Yeah. with the uh brown bassett thing <laughs> oh yeah. yeah that little that was, truffle that was, that was i it didn't even look like that bad so but like brown who who's who ran over brown, who there was it yeah, brown no, ran I mean, over brandon brown and dylan bassett didn't want his brothers get involved too yeah bassett, i think i saw that because yeah, somebody's uh, brother got involved i forget which one running about a couple of the well, races in that yeah, car. Ronnie... And personally, I mean, it doesn't look bad to us. We got to remember this is low budget teams running for top 10 position and basically taking them out. So it's a huge payday difference for them. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It sure is, Dale. And, and obviously, you know, two low budget teams, nope. like you were saying, and one of those cars get torn up. Obviously, they don't have much inventory either. Right. All right, guys. Well, it's contest time. We got to make our picks. Uh, I'm dumb. Of course, I obviously get to go well, first since I did last wait, before, with the measly sixteen points before last we get night. Picks, last week. Let's just do a rundown Thanks, of Kyle points where we stand at this point. <laughs> so, um, Jake, you are in the lead right now yeah, with fifty nine with uh, taking the winner last week, Alex Bowman. Uh, Tim. <laughs> hey, you can only do it one more time. So hell froze over that day. <laughs> Tim, uh, you had Jimmy Johnson last week, right. who yeah, was I know. looking to be a top three pick, but fell down to seventh at the end. So you're sitting at 46. Uh, I had Ryan Blaney. Obviously, that flat tire at the end killed me. So 
Luckily, he had a lot of stage points earlier, so I'm sitting at 37. And Josh, you just hit the wall at 16. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I was at Phoenix this week, Denny Hamlin would definitely be going Good into it on lap one. So. 33 chances to redeem yourself. <laughs> he's he's. Well, yeah. Denny's Denny's uh, public enemy number one for me right now, so it's going to be a long time until I pick him. No, but this this is easy for me. Obviously, he was fast in practice all week. He was uh, he qualified second yesterday, so I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. And nobody, all right, nobody. Mister, where did he come from? Mister, where did he come from? Happy Harv. No. Well, honestly, honestly, I was going to pick Kozlowski because I saw how good he was on the long runs, but when he qualified 13th, I'm like, all see, right, that's, I, I was going to go off the wall here and take Harvick. like a lesser-known guy, and reason being was because all week I kept hearing about uh, how this package was going to make it slippery and cars were going to be really loose, and the first thing that came to my mind was Christopher Bell, because he was, you know, a really good dirt racer and beaten Larson, but unfortunately he did not practice well or qualify well, so I'm going to take Brad Kozlowski. <laughs> Oh, nice tech, Dale. all right. And with that said, there's no other contenders left. So good luck, guys. Yeah. Well, I'm going <laughs> to like what Dale was saying before. I'm going to I don't want to consider him a throwaway guy, but he is quoted in saying I came from dirt. So I'm going to go with uh, my boy, Clint Boyer. Oh, oh, nice, buddy. There we go. That is awesome. all right, Jake. Do we just tee this one up? And <laughs> I like it. Do I even have to hear you say it? Yeah, Alex Bowman. I'll write it down now. Okay. <laughs> Timmy, what time? What time did you start? Chuck? I haven't. I have not yet. Yet. <laughs> you know, I can't believe uh, you guys left him out there. We um, left him out there for you. The Thank you. But like I said, he won this race last year. He's won two out of the three there on the configure the new configuration. Right. I got to go with Kyle Busch. All right. You know, I figured those three were going to be taken. Tim caught me off guard with the Boyer pick, but the other yeah, three I, mean, I expected. I told you. The, I told you. No, I don't think anybody's going to pick speeds, them. You know, I think it was, what, 15, 20, 25, and 30 fastest. So that that's what uh, appealed to me on that pick. Yeah. I'm looking, see, to get, and I'll be I'm looking to get first picks next run. week. And I'll be perfectly honest. Jeremy Bollins actually has a better track record and a better setup at Phoenix than Paul Wolf does. For whatever reason, Brad and Paul, they were always hit and miss at Phoenix. And Brad and Jeremy, they actually did win a nation. Yeah, I was a little, together I was a little hesitant. I was thinking about so it this morning because, you know, yeah. basically was non-existent in that race yesterday until the end. So, but I'm just going to stick with my gut and go with it. Because that's a big gut too. Jake, if uh, <laughs> if Dale if Dale didn't take him, were you going to take him? I was definitely considering yeah. him. You know, he start. I mean, he's starting 14th, but hey, Dale Jr. won from 14th there in 2004, so it's not really all that bad. It's not all that hard. You mean? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's a tough track to pass, but it's a tough track to pass. Yeah, at, but you know, if you're starting in the top 15, I think you got it. Damn it, Clint! He's starting 18th. 
You know, I was looking at the, those same uh, long runs in practice that you were looking at, and, you know, Harvick was right there with them. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised I mean, if it comes the down to the two really and four today. surprised me was actually Larson yeah. qualifying yeah, top definitely. five. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he ran a very, very unique line well, in qualifying. You know, I was going to say he's loving anyway. that PJ1 up there on the high line. <laughs> uh, of course. You guys have uh, any actual picks for the race outside of the contest or I do think it's Kyle Bush's day. I really do. Yeah. I think oh, yeah. non non contest? I non contest. Yeah. yeah, definitely say, Harvick. Uh, potentially yeah. Blaney's up there at the end. Oh yeah. Jesus qualified what a start that would be if he wins. I just today. wasn't gonna make that pick back to back. Or he weeks. blows a tire with three to go. If if he would <laughs> If he wins today, you'd have to say that he's a championship contender at this point. Yeah, he's always been phenomenal at Phoenix. He was third in both of the races there last year with Jeremy. Yeah. And Todd Gordon, now if we were doing this Joe like uh, the old NASCAR setup right. uh, for the fantasy stuff where you got points based on all the cars you passed, I absolutely would have picked Martin Truex for this one. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah he'll be coming up through the field for sure, just like he did last week. All right, so that's going to do it for the NASCAR segments. We're going to transition now into something that we haven't discussed yet on the podcast, and it's coming up here shortly. In fact, spring training is already underway, and that's going to be some baseball talk. Obviously, the story of the offseason was the Astros sign-stealing controversy. There was coaches that lost their jobs over it, and uh, it's been a big deal. But do you feel like that could be a distraction for the Astros this season with the uh, halo over their head with the sign-stealing? Yeah, I definitely think it could be, Josh, because let's face it, all of a sudden they're the most hated team in America now. And obviously with all the coaching changes that they had had to make, uh, I don't know. They've been great the last few years, but I think they, they take a step back this year just because all the distractions and changes. Right. Yeah, I I, I mean, with the, with the new coach and all that, it's going to really be tough to duplicate the success they had last year. But uh, – Cheating's cheating, and there's got to be yeah, penalties for it. I mean, so it's got to be deal tough for it. them. Uh, you're gonna have all the fans at every base, basically every ballpark that you go to, uh, riding them pretty hard. Oh yeah, with yeah. signs. It's already started. Oh yeah, spring training. What was it? Six Astros were already hit by pitches during seven, actually within five know, spring training games. What? But yeah. thinking that's intentional. Oh, absolutely. There's no, is no there, the there's not one hit, other though, team that's been hit that many players times. Players that were on that team, right. or is it just because it's the Astros? I think I think most of them were on the team, like Alex Bregman. Uh, I think uh, I don't know if it was Altuve hit once. There's a there was a couple that were you know involved, like heavily involved, but yeah, well. I mean, that's going to be one of the unintended consequences of this, but obviously you don't want to see any guys get hurt with that, but I, I'm sure it won't be the last time you hear about Astros getting thrown at for the cheating scandal. Right, and like with this whole thing going on, it's it's showing Major League Baseball that you can cheat, but as long as you're a player, you're, you're, you have asylum, you don't have to worry about anything. 
None of them got in trouble for this. Nobody's getting not even a slap on the wrist. They're not even being talked to because of the players union. They're protecting every player that was involved in this. I mean, it's just, I mean, Carl was it Carlos Beltran. That was, he just became the owner or the uh, manager of the Mets. But they fired him because of this whole thing. Right. And then it was, they're like, well, he was a player back then. And they said, yeah, well, we can't do anything to him. As in uh, Major League Baseball can't do anything to him because he was a player then. Because the Players Union will defend him because that year, it was his last year in baseball as a player. So they, you know, made sure he was okay. And he was pretty much one of the ringleaders of this whole thing. So because he was a player back then, he would have been protected if he was still a player. But since he's a coach, he's done. No, no. And the Major League Baseball has the right to, you know, discipline anybody, but they won't discipline players. And he was a player at the time. Right. During that World Series run. And then, you know, it all came out this year. Well, this past year. And since he was a player then, MLB isn't going to do anything to him now. But the Mets don't want any more shade being casted over them so they said we don't even want to deal with this we don't you know you're you're a great player and probably a great coach uh, but we don't we just want to go our separate ways and we don't want any you know asterisk being put in in any Mets talk so they just let him go right away right and it kind of makes sense if you think about it because as the manager of the baseball team I mean you're the captain of the ship if there's cheating going on it's up to you to say to your guys, hey, listen, this is against the rules. We can't be doing this. But, of course, if it gives you an advantage, you're probably just going to do it until you get caught, and that's exactly what happened. Right, and even when asked about it, uh, I forget. It was one of the players said, you know, you, what, do you, what do you think you're doing here? And, and uh, I think it was Carlos Beltran looks at him and goes, everything, or, uh, we're just doing what everybody else is doing around here. So is he being truthful that it's happening all around the, the, the league? Most likely, there's, there's somehow, some way, somebody's doing something in, in like a, a cheating fashion, but it just so happens first people to actually get caught in a big way was the Astros. Well, it's like we talked about a few shows ago. I mean, sign stealing happens all the time. It's just the way the Astros conveyed it to their players with banging on the trash can and having the earpiece in the, in the shirt uh, with the, the buzzer and all that. It was just – you know, they could have stolen signs. That's not the issue. The issue is the way they communicated it to the players while they're at home plate or on deck or whatever it was. And it's right. just, you can't, you can't have that. If you're sitting on second base and you decipher signs within the 12 minutes that you're on second base, then, you know, that's sportsmanship. That's gamesmanship. That's, you know, that's, that's great that you're able to do that. But when you right. at your home field have a, a camera fixated at the catcher's hands in between his legs to steal signs then that's that's going above and beyond just to just to win baseball games right well uh before we get into any further baseball topics i wanted to hit this real quick so um i wanted to get your guys thoughts on who you pull for and and why you pull for that particular team tim i'll let you go first with your (laughs) yankees oh all right oh i'm a yankees fan that's right no, I've always I've always been a Yankees fan. I mean, literally since I can pick up a baseball. It's just I don't know why. Actually, you know what? I do know why. When I was in Little League, there was uh, one of the coaches. He's, he came over. I, he, I don't know what we were talking about, but he came over to me. He asked me a question. 
He's like, uh, who do you like in baseball? And I honestly had no idea there was such thing as a major league baseball at the time. Right. Because I just thought, you know, Little League was Little League, and that was the only baseball there was. And he said, uh, he said, oh, don't tell me, don't tell me you're a Yankees fan. <laughs> I didn't know who the hell they were. So I said, yeah, I'm a Yankees fan. And he's like, he's like, oh, Jesus, just please tell me you're not a Jeter fan. And I was like, yep, I'm a Jeter fan. I had no idea who the hell Jeter was. So ever since then, I've that's I pulled for them since I was like nine, eight or nine. That's awesome. And being a fan of the Yankees, you must know what it's like for me going through it with the Cowboys. I mean, you're always getting the business from everybody because oh, you're God. a fan of the most hated team in that sport. So. Oh my God. It's in, like, and like when they're doing well, like people are like, Oh, another bandwagon jumper. I was like, uh-huh. no, I am not a bandwagon jumper. I've never been a bandwagon jumper. And I, I, I got a tattoo of the Yankee symbol on my chest. Nobody right. does that unless you're an actual fan. And when they lose a big playoff game or choke something away, you really don't even want to go to work. Cause you know how, what kind of hell it's going to be hearing it from your coworkers. Anybody in the house. <laughs> if that happens. Yeah, sure. Sure. So it's kind of funny. Um, Previously, yeah, I, like you Pirates, with the I always really didn't care for baseball. So, and if I did, I kind of just pulled for players. And my favorite player was always David Justice back then. But obviously, obviously, he never played for uh, the Pirates. But oh, the way I started yes. liking the Pirates was just, you know, my wife and her uh, father um, are huge Pirates fans. And we ended up going to a game out to PNC Park. And I just fell in love with it. It was awesome. And just the, just the experience out there of, you know, you got all those bars right there great park. and just hanging out downtown and the, yeah, the skyline in the back of the game. It's just awesome. To watch it's a beautiful place. So ever since then, I've basically been a Pirates fan. Yeah. Nice. Jake, you got a team that you root for or are you just a fan of the game? Yeah, I'm pretty much just a fan of the game. I've been all over the place over the years. Um, you know, when I was when I was in high school, my sister pretty much wanted me to be a Red Sox fan and you know, and then I heard you know, Tim just threw up in his mouth. Uh, our buddy uh, our buddy Billy Lawson that we graduated with, he moved out to Pittsburgh. And I actually got to check. Uh, I got I got to see a game there when they play the Cubs. And just like you said, Dale, it is by far the most beautiful ballpark there is when you see the skyline and everything with, with Pittsburgh. So, I, you know, I kept tabs on them, and you know, I kept tabs on the Yankees when, when Billy went there. And I went to two games there last year when they played the Astros, ironically, and when they played Cleveland. And and that's a beautiful ballpark too because um, by far the best cell service I've ever had. <laughs> you know. But just seeing, just seeing, you know, all the, the, the mystique and all the legends, and hearing Frank Sinatra's "New York, New York" after every game, it certainly gives you chills. Right. Well, I'm obviously a Braves fan, as you guys know. And oh yes. I'm gonna be completely honest with you guys. If you look at all of my favorite teams, whether it's the Cowboys, the Braves, the Magic, Duke basketball, the Dallas Stars. The one common thing with all of those teams is they all had great runs in the 90s, and people bring that up to me all the time. But, I mean, who wants to root for a team that sucks year after year? When you're a kid and you don't know any better, you're going to latch on to a team that has success because you want to root for a winning team, right? I mean, that's right. that's how it goes. So, growing up in the 90s, uh, the Braves were always on TBS. I would, you know, come home from Little League practice or even games, and 
I could put TBS on and watch the Braves pretty much every night, which was kind of weird for this area, being a big Phillies slash Yankees area. Right. Right. I was kind of surprised, but of course, you know, the owner of the Braves owned the network, so he was able to put his team on that channel. And I've been to Atlanta to see a game. I also saw them play the Yankees at the new Yankee stadium and they did win that game, Tim. So you're welcome for that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I just, you know, pretty much from the early 90s on, I mean, they won 13 straight division titles, which I don't know if we'll ever see that again. But, uh, yeah, I've been a Braves fan ever since. And like I mentioned the other day, it's kind of one of the reasons why Elliot, if I have to pick a new driver, I might lean towards Chase Elliott because we have that in common. So, Josh, right. in other words, you're saying that there's something yep, wrong with idiot. being a Milwaukee Bucks fan in the 90s? <laughs> Uh well no, I can't recall how good they were but it the, couldn't have been that good because it was mostly the Bulls and uh, Ray Allen yeah 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 um I mean a lot of people forget that uh you know before Kareem Abdul Jabbar sure. was Kareem Abdul Jabbar when he was Lou Alcindor he played for the Milwaukee Bucks so. They do have that going for them, and who knows? I mean, the way they look this year, as long as Giannis doesn't have a significant knee injury, they might be uh, competitive in the playoffs. So, Tim, you're the the Yankee resident expert now that we got the teams out of the way. A lot of injuries piling up for them this year, but they did add Garrett Cole to their pitching staff. Do you feel like that's going to get them to the next level? It's been a while since they've been to the World Series, but – do you think these injuries to Aaron Judge, and I just saw with uh, Sanchez now, he's going to yep. miss some time. Do you think that's going to hinder mm-hmm. their chances to get to a series? The biggest thing I thought of before was, um, you know, with Stanton was out, uh, Severino was out for quite a while, and now he's getting Tommy John surge. So he's going to be out for a few weeks, if yeah, not maybe know. half the season. Um, He'll be out for the year probably, I would think, right? Probably the year, yeah. But, I mean, they always try to push and see if they can get him get players because after, you know, years ago, Tommy John surgery was like career ending almost. And now it's like, okay, we can, you could be off for a season. And I think they're going to start trying to push to have them, you know, try and get at least into the season. But uh, I mean, with Gary Sanchez, he wasn't, he didn't really play as much. Uh, Aaron judge, he, he was hurt off and on last year. Stanton, he played, I think what eight, uh, maybe 18 games or something, I think. Yeah. Severino was off and on now James with James Paxton being out too. I mean that last year we had these type of injuries with these almost same exact players and look where they ended up. So now add Garrett Cole to the situation. I think he brings that bullpen up to where they need to be. And I think they get into at least again, the final series to go to the world's to go to the world series. If and hopefully, you know, I would like to see them go into the World Series this year. But I mean, the 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 injuries are what hurt you. Of uh, you know, at, in the end, it's you got to stay healthy. These guys are getting paid millions and millions of dollars. How did they not know that Aaron Judge had a had a fractured uh, rib, right? A stress fracture in his rib. How how don't they know that? Even I was just gonna. George Steinbrenner was would be like rolling over in his grave right now, saying, "What kind of doctors do we have here that can't even find a broken rib on a on a player?" Right, and I was just going to say, as a Yankee fan, you got to be concerned now with Judge because this is two years in a row where he's going to miss 
exactly uh, some time here and you know you talked about Derek Jeter that was always his calling card was he hardly ever missed games he was right as reliable as they come and he performed too so right uh, it's a new era for sure but it, yeah they're not off to a good start and of course they had the injury bug last year too so right and I, I told I think if Jake will probably which I mean it's stupid to say but I'm pretty sure Jake will remember when I said with all these injuries especially from John Carlo and Aaron Judge Watch PEDs come in, in, in the situation somehow. They'll come into view. Yeah, I remember you saying that, Tim. That was Easter yeah. weekend when Judge had the, the oblique injury, and he wasn't back for another two right. months. So I'm saying fact, just watch something come up. The game that I was having. Right. The only good thing they, about all this is we'll get to see him play it up if at they send PNC him there, don't field. Send him right. Like the yeah, for rehab and stuff. Right. Nah, they norm yeah, they they have, but I think man of his caliber is gonna stay here or you know, come close to here. Right. Uh maybe thirty wins. Yeah, what do you expect for the Pirates this year? Well, let, let me rephrase that. Let's hope they, they, <laughs> they get at least one win for every million that they spent this year on their A roster. So maybe like fifty. It's pathetic anymore with uh the way they are with this team, like th- there should be a minimum salary cap, in my opinion, in baseball. See, like, yeah. I was just gonna say, I think the game would be so much better if there was a salary cap because when there's a big free agent well, out there, you hear the same teams over it's and over not again. Even the like Phillies, a salary the Yankees, cap in total. the Red Sox, just a right. minimum. It's like never for, like the Pirates are barely putting. I think this year it's fifty-seven million for a roster. That's what, like a sixth of what the Yankees have out there? Yeah, it's it's crazy. And uh, Yeah, I was going to say, a player? I mean, you expect all these <laughs> people to come to the game. Obviously, it's a beautiful park, and I'm sure I'll be there for a weekend this year. Um, but you're not going to get people to show up if you're not putting a competitive team out there. Um, right. I was just, just going to say, how are the stands when you go to these games? Are they pretty empty? Every or year it's getting cool? less and less. Let's put it that way. So when we started going out, probably about seven, eight years ago at this point, um, yeah, yeah, the stands were pretty much packed. Now it's pretty bare, especially if you watch like a weeknight game. It's maybe a a third full, if that even. No, for the most part, it's not like we usually. And they're not even that expensive, uh, right, Dale? Club seats, so they're about seventy to seventy-five yeah. a ticket, which, in comparison to club anywhere else, is not bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. You're spending four hundred dollars for two people at Yankee Stadium. Right, and the t- the tough thing is with the Pirates. I mean, let's face it; it's been a long, long time since they've been good. I mean, you might have to go all the way back to. The- Barry Bonds days well, I mean, at least they made to figure out when the Pirates were competitive in the playoffs so that, last time. Those years, right. it, it was awesome out there. You know, stands were uh, filled. Everything was exciting. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, oh, the atmosphere is probably insane. Bucktober, right? Isn't that what they were calling it? Yeah. <laughs> Just like in Atlanta, it's Choptober. I know Damn Tim and I both had uh, pretty heart heartbreaking losses in the playoffs last year, different kinds. Obviously, uh-huh. the Astros won that game with the walk-off. But for me, when the Braves lost uh, game five of the NLDS to the Cardinals, they might as well not even have showed up. It was 11 nothing after the first inning. I'm thinking, I'm turning this off. Yeah, that was a rough game to watch. What, what a joke. 
And then the ironic part is they get uh, Marcelo Zuna from the Cardinals in the offseason for $18 million on a one-year deal. And I think that's going to be uh, a huge get because they lost uh, Josh Donaldson. But um, freaking bullpen, man, is killing us again already. They right. blew a 5 nothing lead to the Rays the other day. So I don't, I don't have much hope if they don't sure up the bullpen. They really never had a, a true cl- closer last year. So right. I have a feeling it's going to be their downfall again this year. Well, I think uh, uh, in fantasy baseball this year, there's, I think the uh, there's like a three way tie who who's going first in the the first round draft pick for fantasy, and uh, Acuna Junior is one of those three. Oh, he's awesome. He's to me, he's I, I stirred up some controversy on Facebook last year, but I said to me, he's all around the best player in the game, and people said, okay, Mike Trout, but. Yeah, know, well, think... he's the he's number two. He's another one of the three, and then uh, that Cody Bellinger, right? Yeah, the Braves have a nice, promising young roster, and they got in some trouble a couple of years ago with uh, Puerto Rican players and stuff they were doing behind the scenes too. But right, they always, they always ever since I've been watching the Braves, they've always had a knack for finding talent in the minor leagues and making trades. And my biggest pet peeve is they always get rid of players that had some promise. Like going back a few years ago, they had. Uh, Andrelton Simmons was playing shortstop for him. I thought he was a big up-and-coming player, and I haven't right. really followed him much since. But they always seem to move on from these players that show a lot of promise. But I could say without hesitation between Acuna and, and Albies, they're definitely a good young roster that I could see being competitive for a while. Right. I, I am a little concerned with the Phillies getting Girardi, though. I think he could turn them into a contender right away, too, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's he's a He's one – He's a hell of a coach, I think. For sure. Jake, any thoughts on uh, any of the teams before we make a World Series pick? Well, I just have to say that, you know, I, I did follow the Yankees very, very closely last year. And, and of course, I felt like the one Achilles heel for the team was pitching, especially when, when half was ever in. It was almost like an automatic loss right yeah. there. <laughs> so it's pretty exciting to see what Garrett Cole's going to do. And, I mean, look at like you said, Tim, look at all the injuries they had last year and how they defied the odds and set record after right. record after record. And uh, you you guys know how much I love Aaron Boone and, and the emotion that, that he brings to the game. Oh, too. yeah. It's ironic that the pitching could be the Yankees' Achilles heel because it wasn't all that long ago when we saw Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit, Mario. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, they were pretty much stone-cold blocks to win games and get saves. But right nowadays – I mean, any starter just had to pitch till the the uh, sixth, seventh inning, and you bring Mariano in, and there's that's that's the game, right? And that's something I feel like goes on a lot more often too nowadays. Is pitchers only making it to the fifth or sixth inning? You don't really see them go too deep in games anymore, right? That's with the uh, pitch count now. They're watching that pitch count yeah, a lot, a lot more. Thing is, uh, right? All these yep. pitchers that you're naming are former uh, Pirates that they yeah, feel yeah, the same. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> that is right. Yeah, that's that's something that's got to be addressed because, like I said, it, not only with the free agents, but just competitively, it's the same teams year in and year out. The teams that spend the money are the ones winning the games. Right. Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, that's it. Uh, so it's obviously very early. Regular season hasn't even started sure. yet, but you want to make a World Series pick? We're probably going to be wrong, but let's do it. Yankees anyway. in four. Oh God! <laughs> and they're going to play who, Tim? The Phillies? Oh God, no! 
Wouldn't that I be ironic know. if they faced Girardi? Right? Yeah, how amazing would that be? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I want the, I said it, Yankees win it. I just don't know who yet. I have to <laughs> look at the teams here. Pirates. I'm going against the Pirates. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Especially if yeah, you're on I, I need a guaranteed win here. Come on. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. This is tough. Don't be afraid, Josh. I'm going to go with, uh, let's see here. I'm going to go with the Angels in the American League. Ooh. Joe Madden. Mr. Yep. Joe Madden. Hazleton boy. And exactly. In the National League, I'm going to go with the Dodgers. All right. I'll, I'll go next. Hey, Dodgers, go Angels. crazy here. You guys know me for taking crazy picks, so. I'm gonna go Minnesota. Twins are gonna, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, coming off the year where they blew past expectations with oh 101 God. wins, uh, most home runs with the lead in the league with 307. They need not only that, but they also needed pitching, and they got Rich Hill and yeah, they added Donaldson, so I think that's gonna help it out. Um, and I think they're gonna end up beating the Dodgers. Nice. I could see the I could see the White Sox making some noise out of that Central Division too over the I American mean, we League. We'll see, but it was forever and it's been a while since they've been relevant. relevant too. And then they pulled off that year and won everything. <laughs> right, right. Who who would ever thought we'd see the Cubs win a World Series in our lifetime? Thank you, Joe Madden. Yep. I really That's why I picked the, the Angels. He's a great manager. Him, but yes, he is. Obviously didn't I think the Cubs him. are dumb for letting him walk. That's right. Yep. Sure are. Yeah, I, honestly. Dale, I thought for sure that would have been perfect. To, to me, he's the best manager in the game, I would say. Absolutely. Jake, you got a pick? Yeah. Um, mine's going to be pretty simple. I'm going to say uh, – Yankees and six over the Dodgers. Nice. So we're all the nice. Dodgers pretty much, except for Tubby's on the Pirates. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> I'm surprised. So your real pick is Yankees, Dodgers. Yeah, but Yankees <laughs> win, one. obviously. That's that's a no. I just don't. I hate the Phillies. <laughs> I would be very intrigued about a Yankees Dodgers World Series just from nostalgic purposes. I mean, they're obviously yes. very historic franchises that. I don't believe have ever played in a World Series, have they? Pretty sure uh, they have. Maybe they have, but I don't. Really, I mean, yeah, they, I believe they have. Yeah, it was definitely a long and time. Not only the, not only the nostalgic part, Josh, but also from a, a ratings perspective. Too. Yeah. Now, Tim, you can be rest assured that if it's Braves Yankees, I'm going to be over your house watching every single game of that series, and we're going to be at each other's throats every night. That's fine. That's fine. Or maybe, maybe, maybe we should just like FaceTime each other. And you stay at your house, I'll stay at my house. Nope, nope. We're watching it together. (laughs) 1996 all over. Oh, good. Oh, let's let's hope at a different outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if the Braves win, then you should. I gotta do. I gotta drive you around. I have to. I'll be be crying in the corner. It's my victory song. <laughs> oh, please believe if the Braves or Cowboys win the championship next year, I'm having a parade for sure. <laughs> One man parade. <laughs> Anybody wants to join me, I'm having a parade. Everyone will be like, "Who's that guy?" Oh, that's just Josh. 
Cowboys won this year. Yeah. I don't see either happening, so I'm not going to get my hopes up, but it's fun to talk about. Oh, yeah. Timmy, what are we going to do in Plymouth if uh, the Titans win the Super Bowl? I don't know, because I'm, pro- I'm just getting my hose out, because Sean's going to burn the place down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick before we end the show, a couple uh, football topics here that we uh, had some news about this week. So, once again, Tom Brady's dominating the headlines. There were some rumors that he might be replacing Jimmy Garoppolo in San Fran. How crazy would that be if they swapped places, basically? It sure would, because Bill Belichick would be getting his wish. Obviously, everyone remembers the fall of 2017 when he wanted to move on from Tom Brady, and Robert Kraft put his foot down and said, no, you know, Tom Brady is pretty much like a son to me. And that would that would really, really be ironic, because I feel like what's going on here is Tom Brady wants to win by himself and Bill Belichick wants to win by himself. And I, at this point, I think a divorce is inevitable. Yeah, they like Garoppolo walking. Now here they are with no backup plan in place. None. I stand by my decision. He's not going anywhere. This is all just publicity. I agree. I'm going to say right now, uh, I think, I think two years, $60 million dollar deal. Brady finishes really out his career as a Patriot. San Fran. No. no. I mean, you just had Garoppolo lead you to a Super Bowl. That They'd be stupid to move on from him. And George Kittle said that he's sticking by Jimmy G no matter what. I mean, yeah, crazier I mean, things what, have happened in football, though, Josh. What, what, look what, what happened getting, to the Eagles. You get two years out of Tom Brady, and then what? You're looking for a quarterback again. Right. So I wouldn't make that move. Yeah, if I were Belichick, I would definitely try to trade up and maybe get Justin Herbert in this draft if I were him. Right. Well, apparently Brady and Belichick did speak on the phone earlier this week, and the report was that it did not go well. I mean, obviously we don't know what the conversation was like, but I will say all signs are pointing towards Brady not back with the Patriots, but I just don't see him playing anywhere else. No, me either. If anything, he'll announce his retirement before leaving the Patriots. Right, right. Yeah, and obviously he said that he doesn't want to retire anytime soon. Right. Yeah. And then there was another uh, report out there that they, the Patriots might be interested in trading for Andy Dalton. I don't know where this so interest is. So apparently the from. Patriots with the Bears and Colts are interested in Dalton. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. To, me, to me, he's got to be either a backup or go play in the XFL. He's, he's that terrible. I don't even think he's an upgrade. So like I said the, the other week, the, quarterback the only Chicago place I can see him starting at would be Chicago. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. As bad as Trubisky is, I don't think he's an upgrade either. And then you got, of course, the Jaguars doing the boneheaded things that they always seem to do. Yep. Trading away their best players. You got Yannick Ngakwe, their best pass rusher. He's planning on leaving. And they gave uh, A.J. Bouye to the Broncos for a fourth-round pick. So, Jake, I know you're on this train of thought, but do you feel like the Jags are the biggest one-year wonder from 2017? Oh, it would definitely have to be probably the biggest one-year wonder in NFL history because that defense, when you think of it, A.J. Bowie, Jalen Ramsey, all those guys, they're basically gone. Right. And let's face it, as, as far as offense, as far as offense went, you know, what really was there? Blake Bortles obviously wasn't the answer. Mercedes Lewis wasn't the answer. Um, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was the one-year wonder. Look at all the – look at how, how much of a jackass he's acted like ever since. 
they're definitely one of the biggest one-year wonders. And I'm honestly, I'm surprised that Doug Marone's even still there. I know they're talking about moving on from uh, Nick Foles, and I I guess Slaughter Minshew would be their starter next year. So, Um, yeah, Minshew made. But I mean, Foles to me, I think still a good quarterback. I do too. I do too. He could be a quarterback for a lot of the teams we've already mentioned, but I think Minshew is the right fit for Jacksonville. Oh, I agree. He he surprised me a lot that Thursday night game against the Titans last year. And Josh, we've said it before. What if Nick Foles were to go back to Philadelphia again, given Carson Wentz's injury, you know, his history of uh, getting hurt all the time? See, that's what I was just about to say is for some reason, Nick Foles only what fits in this? Philly. Whenever he goes uh, somewhere else, it's a Washington crap show. Or two with what's yeah. going he's on not with, uh, himself either. Exactly. Uh, what's the name? Smith and Haskins. It doesn't seem like Rivera is sold on him yet. So bring in Foles, uh, take the division, and then shove it in the Eagles' face again. There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, not only that, Dale. Now you're on something. But I heard, well, let's hope that's not the case. But I heard yesterday that there's a possibility that Ron Rivera might be interested in Tua. Now, I don't think it will, but you got to take the safest player in the draft, is, in my opinion. That's got to uh, be Chase Young. There's a real possibility Melvin Gordon ends up with the Redskins. So I, I would like to see that. Wow. Yeah, they're yeah that's true. He said he is going to explore some other opportunities outside of the Chargers, so and they did. They just re signed Eckler. You know, in the history. I think this ended yeah. up worse though, because right. he actually played, and that, well, let's not I don't forget think maybe on Bell either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, right. How amazing that Le'Veon Bell did not have a single 100-yard game last year. That's crazy. And towards the end of the year, the Jets weren't playing too bad. I mean, they were competitive in a lot of their games. No. I'd welcome him back to Pittsburgh instantly, but I know it'll probably never. Happen. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. I just. Read something really anything else, guys, before we end the show today? No, um, Jimmy Johnson was in Indy this week and sitting in an Indy car. He's getting set up for uh testing and barber next week, uh, or next month rather. Oh, yeah, and there's talks of him running a couple road and street courses for Indy Mm -hmm. this year. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd, I'd definitely watch that. That'd be awesome. You know what? I did see that on the bottom here on Sports Center, and I'm kind of curious to get your guys' thoughts on this, but I feel like all of a sudden ESPN is putting more and more coverage into their NASCAR area, and I'm wondering if they're possibly trying to get back into the game here with racing. That's what I wonder too, Josh, because honestly, when you think of it, look at the amount of effort that NBC has put into their NASCAR coverage and how Fox – how it seems like their coverage has gotten worse and worse over the last few years. Right. It's almost it's almost like the second time around with ESPN, how it seemed like they didn't care at the end. Right. I, I just I don't know for some reason on the like they just had up there how Chase Elliott won the poll. Like that's not something ESPN typically puts on their bottom line. Right. No. So I'm seeing that and I'm thinking, yeah. is there something going on here with ESPN trying to get back into NASCAR? Yeah, might be seeing a well, transition the- going on here. Well, the TV contracts don't expire until 2024. Oh, okay. Yeah, 
But they I could always opt out of those, they, though, can't they? I'm sure they yeah. could. I, but I know N- NBC, they've invested don't so forget, much. And, and like I said, Fox is, is I was more just going to say with coverage, don't forget TNT for their handful of races. Lately. I'll tell you another quick story. Go ahead. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say real quick, another story I saw over the last few days was that the uh, NFL Sunday tickets getting sued for their really? – uh, yeah, for something with blackouts. Well, so they said it, see the it, it might go to the Supreme Court, and if it does, it might change the way the fans are watching football games. Streaming service. Oh wow! And like, probably in my opinion, I think Amazon yeah, I agree. buys it. Yep. Yep. Well, I think with well Amazon. Sorry, guys. Um, Amazon's already doing the Thursday night games, right? And I know there's packages in other sports where you could actually buy just your favorite team's games and just watch them. So that might be some, something that comes down the road here for football. Yeah. Yeah, especially in your case, Josh, because, you know, more often than not, the Cowboys are always on. But if it's on Fox 56, more than likely, they're going to be showing the Eagles or Giants. Right. And I mean, I yeah, pay a fortune for a Sunday ticket month. and I love the Red Zone channel, <laughs> but it's it's so expensive. It's like, is it even but worth it? You just got to do what I do. Call on for... uh Negotiate that price every year. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what yep. John John from Plymouth does. Yep. Well, I just did the other way the other day because I lost my discount. I had a call and complain and they took another 30 bucks off for a year. So it's it's a fortune to buy that stuff. <laughs> Anything else, fellas? No, sir. All right, well, that's going to do it for Season 1, Episode 8 of episode the Average Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us, and we look forward to uh, hearing from you guys. Keep in mind, we do have a, a Twitter account, at Average Joe's 570 right, Tim? Uh, it's the handle to uh, look it up is at Joe's 570. All right, so if you guys have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover, I did put a tweet out there the other day about making Phoenix picks. I don't think anybody made one, but feel free to chime in you can be a part of our contest maybe if you want to jump in there so yeah we get the, enough uh, people maybe we get a nice little prize going exactly yeah but we'll talk to you next week we'll recap the phoenix race and we'll start looking ahead to some other news that comes out during the week so we'll talk to you later i can't believe right. you didn't take the opportunity to call this episode the ocho all 